welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. freaking Aaron Wiseman. And I cannot tell you how elated I am to bring you this episode. My guest today, my friend, my fellow colleague, Dr. Shika Dooley, is here talking today about allies. She is all about making a safe place for dialogue for medical students, residents, fellows, and fellow colleagues for people of color, specifically in medicine. And she mentioned to me that it has been a hard year, not just with COVID, not just with the changes, but of course, with everything that we are talking about with race tensions, with anti-racism, with privilege, and talking about what all of that means. Finally, taking the lid and having these conversations is what is so important to her. She had last year's Physician Women of Color Thrive Together conference that's now going virtual. And let me tell you, I stand behind it 110%. And that's what this podcast is all about today. She asked me to be an ally and I so graciously and excitedly accepted. And I am just so privileged to be able to to bring her in front of you on this platform and say, yes, I stand with her. So here's to amplifying, for elevating, for advocating, supporting, and protecting. You, my friend, are a badass, and I can't wait to share this episode with everyone. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Shika Dooley. Girl, it's so great to have you on here. Thank you. It's fun that we can finally like connect. We have been like kind of mini stalking each other on all the social media platforms. And so we're now like doing it. We are legit internet friends now, not just like snooping. Like we had a phone conversation and now we've been talking before the podcast recording. It's just absolutely amazing. I know a little bit about you because, you know, I'm a little fangirling right now, but tell everybody out in podcasting world who you are and what you're doing in the world. Sure. So my name is Yashika Dooley and I am board certified in OBGYN. I have a fellowship in Eurogyne, active duty Air Force, and I am at 20 years right now. And my love and passion is really working with medical students and residents. And in particular, I am working more and more with women of color physicians, trying to like increase our presence, increase the pipeline, increase the visibility. And so I do a conference called Women Physicians of Color Thrive Together Conference. This is our second year now when I do coaching for them. We have retreats and kind of a little bit of all of that. So, Yeah. And this is not a new project. You've been working on this stuff for a while. Talk about that in the background. Sure. So, I mean, I have always, you know, even just working with medical students and residents, it has always been my passion to increase the presence of women of color. So that has always been there. I mean, you know, we are naturally teachers. And so that has always been there. It's just been more formalized in probably the past six years where I did more formal coaching, more formal retreats, more formal programs. And then we had our first like national kind of conference last year in person in San Antonio, Texas in September. And of course, was planning on doing our second year this year and COVID came. And so we just kind of said, hey, we still need this. We actually need it more now than ever. 
And so now it's going to be a virtual conference. We will have over 35 amazing women of color talking and going through kind of how they've pivoted, how they've changed, how they continue to work in medicine and balance that with the other things that they have going on. And then we have two live days on September 11th and 12th where we can all come together and really have a safe space to share because right now we need that more than ever. There's just so much going on in the world, even, you know, outside of COVID, even the busyness of medicine and our lives. There is just so many other layers that aren't always able to be addressed. And we just really need each other to kind of help soothe one another's souls, give us a safe place to talk and just really feel like somebody else gets it and understands. Yeah. And today our podcasting conversation is going to be digging into these layers and specifically the word that you picked was allies. So tell me a little bit about why you picked allies and why you picked me to ally with. Well, I think, and I'm trying to talk more and more to those who are not of color that we've done all we can, right? Like as a black woman, as a black woman physician, there is no more that I can say or do. We have protested, we have kneeled, we have shouted, we have cried, but us as a people, people of color cannot move the bar any further without having allies who are there with us, one to help amplify what's going on, one to help elevate, one to help really carry us across the finish line. We've been talking about this. And when I say we, like people of color have been talking about this for years. Like, you know, this has always been our life. Finally, now other people are able to see it and it's really highlighted. And so it's harder to ignore. But again, there's nothing else that we by ourselves can do. And I am firmly of the belief that we need allies to help us really get to that next level. We can't do it alone because we are not in the positions of power and it's the people in power that are going to be able to help take this and make it really become something that we are not going to be able to do alone. Well, and I was just so excited when you dropped a DM in my Instagram box and said, Aaron, would you be a supporter and an ally? (laughs) Like seriously, I am just totally honored by that. And so tell our listeners a little bit more what your expectations are of an ally. So I think that an ally is somebody that actively goes out and finds opportunities for change in their own sphere, right? So it is, how can I set the example? How can I show what is possible? How can I do what everybody is saying that they want to do? Um, but also actively looking for that. So, you know, unlike if you are a mentor or, you know, a sponsor or something like that, an ally actually is like actively looking for that medical student of color. They're actively looking for that resident or fellow of color, or maybe they're even looking at their peers of color and saying, okay, I see where there might be a disconnect. I need to go step outside of my comfort zone. I need to initiate that conversation, even if it's really uncomfortable. And oftentimes it's going to be, right? But I appreciate the fact when somebody comes to me and is like, hey, how's it going? How are your family doing? Do you all need anything at all, right? Or they are saying, I heard about this conference and I think it's amazing. I think it's a great place for you to be. And for medical students and residents who maybe can't afford it, An ally also goes that step and says, hey, not only did I hear about this conference, I want to support you. I want to help you get there. 
um, you know, I got you a ticket or I'm going to gift you the money so that you can get there because I feel like you need to be in that room. Like that's what an ally does. Gosh, I love that so much because it gives very like clear, actionable steps of not just like saying the words and just sitting, but it, what I'm hearing you say is like, no, like showing up, putting the actions, putting your foot in your mouth with all the love in your heart and, and, but like showing up. It's showing up. And I, I always tell people, I'm like, it's kind of like if you hear that somebody has had something happen in their family, somebody has passed or somebody is sick. You don't just, you know, say, oh my God, I hope they're okay. Like, no, you call and you're like, hey, I'm bringing over a potluck meal. I, I, you don't need to cook. Like, they don't even have to ask you and you don't give them the opportunity to turn you down, right? You show up with the food and you just hand it to them and you walk away. Like, it's, it's not even a discussion. And sometimes, especially because people don't want to always show their vulnerability, you have to let them know, like, please take this. I want to do it. And... And we're going to talk about it later or whatever. But you have to kind of take that extra step because people aren't always going to ask. And sometimes when you're in that situation, you don't even know what to ask for, right? But an ally mm-hmm. is like, no matter what you need, I'm going to just continue to give you what I, what I can because I just want to support you in any way that I can. And that is what's appreciated, right? And you end up with maybe 10 crock pots of food, but then you freeze it. And over the next couple of months, you are absolutely happy that all those people dropped that food off, right? You're never like, oh my God, one more. You're like, these people loved me so much that they went out of their way and did this for me. Like, and that's what you're like, that's what you're looking for. And so one thought pops in my head is sometimes I worry about that how I want to help people is the wrong way. What would you suggest on that? I guess it depends on what it is. I say that if you are coming from a good place and you're not putting the onus on the other person, you're not, you know, encumbering them with more work, then it's fine, right? Because I feel like as long as I don't feel like I'm already in a bad place and now I'm taking on more work because you want me to help you do something. But if it's just like, let me help you in whatever way, I'm always going to be like, I appreciate the help. And we are all, sometimes it's very hard for us to be able to accept the help, even though we really know we need it, right? But sometimes just somebody saying, no, let me do this for you. I know you can do it, obviously, but I just want to take this one thing off your plate because it's going to just give you a little breathing space. It's going to just give you time to slow down. And sometimes that's what you need, right? And so it doesn't have to be a major thing. Sometimes it's just the little thing that allows the other person just to have space to breathe. So I don't think you can do it wrong. I don't think that if it's coming from a good place, that it's not going to be appreciated because no matter what it is, right? It's the fact that somebody goes out of their way and you know it's coming genuinely from their heart. I'm always going to appreciate that. Who doesn't appreciate that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One of my previous guests, um, Dr. Lulu, uh, she writes a lot about children and adolescent suicide. And she's Mm -hmm. just written a series of great books about talking to your children about racism. And so I picked them up. I've read them. We've started having uh, lots of discussions in our house about Uh um, people even getting a little nerdy biology and talking about like melanin and that there's there's no difference, guys. Like how she breaks it down in the groups as far as with all of that. As a mom, uh-huh. And being an ally as a mother, how could I show up for people of color? I think 
really, it is about helping your children know that whatever they do and whatever they don't do, whatever they say and whatever they don't say has a ripple effect, right? So knowing that if our kids are friends, and I tell this to my, you know, the moms of my, my kids' friends, when my kids are with you or if you see something going on, I expect you to speak up for my kids the way that I would for yours, right? And sometimes things happen and it's kind of uncomfortable, but nobody says anything, right? But my kids are little. They're seven and nine. So if something's going on and nobody says anything and you're watching these little kids be in this situation, which they may not always get, right? There's a lot of nuances that happen that the parents are getting, but the kids may be like, there's something off that they don't really know. But I'm like, that's when you have to step up. You have to step up and say to the other parent, if something was said wrong, like, I want you to speak up for my kids. Or I want you to let the kids know maybe if something was said that was a little inappropriate, or maybe sometimes kids are repeating what they heard on TV or whatever. But those are teaching moments, but they have trickle effects, right? And the effects are far reaching. So one, I'm entrusting my kids with you and your family. And so I want you to treat them the, the way that you would want your own kids to be treated, but also realizing that we set the example, one with the other um, parents and the other kids. And so if they know, like, you might say those things all the time, but when you're around our family, that's not what we say, like, right? Or if, if you are in this group, that's not what we do in this group. And so if you can't respect us and the people in this group, then you can't be in this group, right? And so that's what I would want them to say and do and know that it's not always going to be comfortable, but it's not right to have the people of color be uncomfortable so that all the other people in the majority can be comfortable. Like that's mm -hmm. not right either. And so like sometimes that's hard, right? Or sometimes you just have to say, well, did I hear that right? Like sometimes it's just the question. Did you just say, or that kind of came off wrong, right? Because you want to give people a little space and grace. But also, I want you to recognize that that may not be perceived by everybody in the right way. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to step back and think about it and then correct yourself. And I'm okay with the correction. Or let's have a conversation and let me tell you why I thought maybe it didn't sound right or might have been inappropriate. But I would rather know absolutely how you feel about me and my family and say it in my face as opposed to having kind of the snickering on the side. Yeah. That's one thing with my kids. We've really been talking about speaking respectfully. Uh, the The rule in our house is you can say whatever words you want to say, but they have you have to be able to tell me the definition of them and they have to be in a respectful manner. Yes. Because I, I grew up extremely conservative and I felt like I was kind of put in a box and never mm -hmm. really got to express myself in ways that I wanted to do and dress in certain ways. And and so I really wanted to take that top off my kids so that they yeah. use language appropriately. And so I feel like some of the like blatant aggression languages, we ha we don't have those in our home. What right. I worry about, and I wonder if you can explain me more, is like the more of those like subtle microaggressions that feel bad, like after you walk away from it, but in the moment, you're just kind of like, what was that? Does that make yeah. sense? Absolutely. I think that the subtle microaggressions in the moment, we need to speak up, right? Because if you feel a little uncomfortable, if something feels not quite right, usually 
something's off. And it could have been like your interpretation maybe, or maybe the way that you heard it or way that the person said it. But again, that's the opportunity to give that person the chance to hear it themselves again. And I will often just repeat it and be like, did you just say, or did I hear you say, or, you know, so that one, I'm letting you know, I feel uncomfortable. I feel like it's okay for me to let you know that, especially if we're going to be in groups all the time. Like, I don't feel like I should have to be the one that's always uncomfortable and you get to say whatever. So, you know, and then if I heard it wrong or if it was, you know, a misunderstanding, then great. We can clear that up and we can move on. Right. But if it's not, then this is a time for us to kind of like nip it in the bud, hopefully. But I think the microaggressions happen, one, because people aren't called on them. Sometimes people really are ignorant and they don't realize what they said was inappropriate. But if you continue to let them do it, they're going to continue to do it. It's like your kids, right? If you let them do something, and even if it's slight, but you kind of are like, well, I probably should say something. The kid doesn't always know, right? But now they're going to continue to do it because they'll be like, well, nobody said anything and I got to laugh or people thought it was funny. And so now they do it even more. But if you stop it the first time, the child's going to be like, oh, last time I did that, I got in trouble. Mom was like, hell no. And so, you know, and then you have a discussion. Why is that inappropriate? What should you do in a group setting or what should you not do? And they know going forward not to continue to do that. And so that's what I think. Microaggressions continue to happen because people aren't talking about it. And sometimes the other person just doesn't realize that it's an inappropriate statement. But in the moment, you've got to catch it. Because if you do it a week later, people are like, what are you talking about? That didn't happen that way. But in the moment, it absolutely, people are aware of it. And then you can kind of hash it out and it's fresh in everybody's minds. Working with residents, that is a perfect example of like addressing things in the moment and not letting it have that stretch of time. I can think of so many examples, not just with microaggressions and words, but just like in that space. But then they come back and they're like, we've had some incidents, you know, where it's like that they were, they did feel uncomfortable. And unfortunately, the program's like, what do you mean? Like, that was two weeks ago. Why didn't you report it? So I love that advice about repeat it back to them. Like, show them their words and be like, really? Is that what you're really saying right now? Because that's what we're supposed to do with patients, you know, to clarify and like use these good communication techniques. And so... Well, good. So the next time you throw some of my words back at me, (laughs) I know what you're doing with it. Yeah. And I tell my residents, I'm like, in your sphere, I'm like, residents, fellows, I'm like, you are the leaders in this hospital, right? You are going to become the people that are leading these administrations, these departments. I'm like, now is the time for you to step up because for the medical students, they are looking up to you. You all are like little gods and goddesses in their eyes, right? And so you are setting the example and the tone of what is and isn't appropriate in patient encounters, when you're talking to your other peers, even when things happen, like that is the time where even a second year or third year resident can show a medical student if somebody says something inappropriate, like how do you handle that in the moment, right? Because if everybody walks out of that encounter with the patient and it was awkward and nobody says anything, now you've just taught that medical student that it's okay for that patient to say that or for us to say that, whatever it is. That like, hidden and curriculum. You, in the yep. moment, you have to tell them, you know, and I've had, I've had like even kids in appointments say things that were inappropriate. And if their parents aren't willing to say something, I'm going to say something because you're setting a tone. And I'm like, that's inappropriate. 
you can't say that in this office. We don't allow that in this hospital, in this clinic. We don't use those words, you know, whatever it is. And if the parent has a problem, then I'm like, well, you too need to realize I'm not going to allow you to say it or your child to say it. And like, if you have to write me up or whatever, that's fine. But, you know, an ally also steps in and is willing to help if something is said that is wrong to a junior resident or a junior fellow or definitely to a medical student because they are at the wrong end of that power spectrum. They're never going to speak up because what are they going to do, right? They feel like their entire life, their entire ability to become a doctor is dependent on looking good and doing well. So if you're letting them be abused by patients or peers or whoever and not speaking up for them, like that is, that is when an ally steps in and is like, no, we don't say that. We don't do that. That's not how we treat other people, you know? And so that's another way that it's so easy for them to be like, feel empowered to say something, to not allow those little moments to go by because that totally elevates one, your program, it elevates your clinic, your hospital, and you are setting the tone and being like, regardless of what's going on in the world, we don't do that here. We don't allow that here. We don't support that here. That is not how you talk to our medical students, our residents, our doctors. We're going to respect you, but you also have to respect us. Mm, boom. That's got to be a sound bite right there. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. it. Thank you. Be. It's true. Yeah. It's but so true. But you have true. to do it. And it's, sometimes it's hard, but I'm like, it takes three extra seconds instead of everybody feeling uncomfortable the rest of the day. Because whoever felt uncomfortable is going to be re, re like reliving that moment forever. Right. Well, and it but gets kind of encoded. It. it gets kind of encoded in your brain and in your DNA. <laughs> like, Oh, the next time you see a 83 year old guy, it triggers, it triggers yeah. things and comes back. It does trigger things. And it just lets the patients know, like when we let them know that we're going to give you good care, but you have to talk to us appropriately. I think they respect that too, right? And if they don't, then I'm like, okay, this is clearly not the place that you need to be getting care. You need to find somebody else. And that's okay too. Not everybody is meant to be in my clinic, in my hospital, in my, you know, setting, and that's fine. But I'm going to absolutely demand that you treat me and my people right. And they feel safe and protected because that's what I want you to feel. We're a team. And if we can't be a team, then why are we here? Exactly. Exactly. All right. I'm going to flip the tables for a minute because you're a coach. So I know that you know how to ask good questions and that sort of thing. So yeah. what questions do you got to throw at me or, or what, what things would you want to hear from my perspective? I guess I would want to know what are the ways that we could be more helpful? So, or, so women physicians of color or people of color, because I feel like sometimes people feel uncomfortable, right? And so I'm like, what, what is the discomfort coming from? Is it just because we're not talking enough? Or is it, I don't know, something that has happened that helps just to soothe it over, right? Mm, yeah. So from my experience, like getting on the phone with you, never having like talked voice to voice yeah. When you told me, Aaron, even if you say things wrong, I will explain and we will get through it. Yeah. That was so empowering for me. Like just knowing that I have the space on the podcast today to be utterly wrong and yeah. and that that you are like, I'm okay with that. I guess because a part of me feels at times like if I don't say it right, then 
like, <laughs> sounds stupid, then you don't want to be my friend and you don't right. want, you want me to help you because yeah. I butchered it. Right. And I would say, I just want people to be willing to help. And if I know it's coming from a good place, I'm okay with us working out the semantics, right? I would rather people be willing to have the conversation and have it be awkward or have them ask something that I'm kind of like, eh, that's not exactly how you should say that. But I'm happy we're having the conversation because now we can fix it, right? But they're like, you know, the elephant in the room that nobody talks about. For me, that's more painful because now I'm like, do they even care? Because I don't want to have to say one more time what has happened, right? But if everybody in the room knows it's happened, but nobody wants to talk about it, then my assumption is like, nobody really cares. And so why am I continuing to have, like, it's like beating a dead horse. I'm like, okay, I'm the only one that cares. Nobody wants to acknowledge it and let me move on. But if you start the conversation, like, you know, hey, I heard about this. Like, it absolutely sucks. I'm there with you. Like, I realize you can't solve it. I understand that. But I just want to know that you're on my side. I just want to know that, you know, you get it. You see what's going on. You feel my pain as much as you can, right? Because just like I don't know your world and I never am, I realize that you don't know my world either. And so it's not fair for me to expect that of you. But I just want us to be able to listen to one another and communicate. And we may not always agree, but that's the great part about like just having people of diverse backgrounds. Like you can just have the conversation and just learn from other people and walk away just more knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. I think the best thing that you did was you just you just gave me the permission just to come, you know, like when we were doing this podcast, just to be like, just come and we'll talk and you yeah. can ask questions. I can ask. We can share perspective. And, and that felt like the walls went down. Yes. And so. Well, that's good. Yeah. So I, and, and that's the thing, too, is I don't want to say, like you said, you don't need to put your pain out on the table anymore. Right. And I think coming as a perspective of the white woman, I d- cannot expect you to keep coming. Like, like you said, you've people of color have done enough. Like this has been this has been the marathon that is never ending right. where the United States, the world has finally started to say, okay, this is not okay. So I would say just finishing off the, the rest of your question is just like showing up messy, I guess. Yeah. It, just showing and, up. Yeah. You know, for me, I'm like, and see, you say showing up messy. I don't even say showing up messy. I just say, I'm happy you showed up. Like, right. That's, that's all I see is that you showed up. I'm like, I'm so happy that you're willing to have the conversation and see the messy that's, that's in your own brain. That is, it's in my own brain. That's totally not messy to me. For me, I'm like, Oh my God, I am so happy that I reached out to her. We made this work and she showed up for me. That's what I say. She showed up for me. She showed up for my conference. She showed up because she's caring and she wants to try to amplify and elevate in any way she can. You just showed up. That's, that's all I see. You showed up. Well, I appreciate that. And I will keep showing up for you. So talk a little bit more about the Physician Women of Color Thrive Together Conference. And then I have a little surprise afterwards. Okay, so go. Okay, so we are going to have the on-demand session starting on September 5th. And pretty much we are just going through everything. I think it's a great conference for anybody. So meaning you do not have to be a person of color. This is a great time for you to be in the room, right? You can like kind of listen because we are real and raw and we're going to talk about all the things, how we feel, what we hear, what people say. 
how it makes us react, why sometimes we take offense. I think this is, if you've ever wondered, like, why do they do that? Or why do they say that? Or, you know, and not to generalize, but you're going to hear all of these women from all of these different specialties talking about what they've experienced and how they've had to deal with it. And I think it's great to hear other people's stories because Mm -hmm. it's their stories that highlight their own pain, but also their own growth. And that's the only way that you can know what other people are doing is by hearing their story. How did they get to that point? What did they have to go through? How are they still continuing to do the next thing? And so I think for anybody that is like, I have no idea. I want to be an ally. I'm not quite sure. Just get a ticket and just come listen, right? Just come be a fly on the wall. This is the perfect time to be a fly on the wall. And then we're going to have the live sessions on Friday and Saturday. And it's just going to be us talking. It's going to be us sharing in a safe space. And absolutely, the conversations are going to be real and raw again. And I think that anybody that's in that room, we are going to be authentic, but we're giving grace and space to everybody. So if there's a question that we're talking about, or if there's something that you're like, well, why is this? Or how can I? Or what's different? Or why is it like that? I'm like, this is a great time for you to bring those questions. Because if you're coming with the question, and it's really from a good place, I want to have that conversation. And now is the time. These are the conversations that often don't get had. But if we don't have the conversation, if the lines of communication are not open, we're never going to move forward. And we've got to move forward. And in my mind, this is the only way. And everybody has to start in their own sphere because we all have our sphere of power. We all have our little trickle effect. So if, you know, if 10 or 15 or 20 women come that are not people of color, they get a couple of little nuggets and then they go back to wherever they are. That ripple effect starts there. Like I can't go to all of those 20 places, but they can. And people in your sphere are going to listen to you far more than they will ever listen to me. And so that's why I need to empower them to get this information because now they're going to tell their friends, their family, their kids, and those people are going to be like, huh, well, I really know and respect Aaron. And if Aaron is saying it, even if I don't completely get it, I'm going to listen just a little bit harder than some random, you know, Dr. Dooley who's spouting it off, who they don't know, right? But Aaron said it, they know you, they love you, they respect you. Aaron's trying to explain to them why they feel like they can have a great conversation with Aaron. And then there, that's how the ripple goes. And that's how you get the momentum. Yeah. And totally that psychology of you have to hear things seven times before Absolutely. it sinks in. I think yes. it's, it's so important, like the repetitiveness of that. And so also people- you have to hear it from somebody you know and trust, right? So that's the yes. other thing. It's not just hearing it from anybody. You have to hear it from somebody that you respect and trust because that's when they at least will perk up and listen just a little bit. Yes, exactly. So talk about the links if people want to sign up or if they want to um, sponsor someone else. Sure. So the link is just Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, the number two, the letter G.com. And all of the information is right there. Um, And I will send you the links. But absolutely, I told people, you know, the conference is only $199. And it's great if you want to come, but if you also want to sponsor somebody else, and if you know somebody, great, just drop their name and their email address in that comment section, and then we will send them the information. 
But a lot of people are just putting pay it forward in the comments because they just want to sponsor, you know, a couple of residents or medical students. And they're like, I don't have anybody to do it for, but I know that there's somebody out there. And I'm like, absolutely. We will partner you with somebody and let them know like, hey, this woman wanted to sponsor you. Please come and join us. Absolutely. And that's the surprise. Dr. Me first. Being an ally is partnering with the Thrive Together Conference and is providing five spots. So listeners, if you want to get one of those spots, then you need to get a hold of me and I will pass your information along. So get your booty going. You've only got a few days because this is dropping the Monday before the conference starts. But even if you can just go to one day or three hours or you got to split it up. Like, I just want to put it out there. If you have listened to this conversation and thought, I need to do this, but feel like the lack of money, this is my gift of paying it forward. Yes. And I tell people, um, the live days are going to be, of course, amazing. So if you can just come in for, you know, a couple of hours just to listen, but all of the other sessions are taped. And so I know people have crazy lives and you know, call schedules and all of that has kind of been pre-planned. So all of the information will still be available on demand for the next couple of months. And so you can still go back and listen to it and you can still email us your comments and your questions because the conversations in my hope do not stop on September 12th after the conference. Like that is just when the conversations are beginning. And I would love to continue to have people like, let me know what they think. Let me know what other things need to be addressed. Um, you know, which is one of the reasons I wanted to come to your conference, right? Because I want to talk about how we can continue to open the lines of communication and make it very easy for us to do. And kind of like no holds barred, please ask me questions. I want to help all of us, but I don't always know what questions, you know, white women have like, and so I want you to ask me the question. So, cause then I can like, think about it. Like you said, we are told we're coming from totally different spheres But us talking together, we come and we can now kind of understand where there are holes, what we need to address, what's missing, how we can make it better. But it only happens with us working together. We're totally going Venn diagram now. Yes. (laughs) It has has to happen together. I can't do it by myself. Absolutely. I love it. Well, thank you so much. You're going to see more of Dr. Dooley on my Instagram. We're going to do a um, share the mic. So I'm excited to do that. You're my first person. So thank you for letting me do it and sign up for the conference. And I'm just excited to continue to help you, support you, elevate you, amplify you. And I just welcome in the Dr. Me First space all conversation. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And I absolutely realize we cannot do it without allies like you. We need you. So we appreciate it. It's 100% real. If you want to go to the Physician Women of Color Thrive Together Conference, Dr. Me First is going to make it happen. So go ahead, send me your email address to erinwiseman at gmail.com and I will pass it along to the conference so that you can get all of the information. I think it's just so important to stand in this allyship, to support 
and then also to allow you to be heard. I'm really excited to keep working with Dr. Dooley to partner with her. She will be taking over my Instagram with the hashtag share the mic. And I think this is how we get progress forward. Telling our stories like she mentioned, seeing the pain, but also so much seeing the growth and the similarities. Well, that's it for today. If you want more, please go visit Dr. Dooley's website, check out the conference, follow her on Instagram. She's doing a lot of amazing things. And if you want more of me, check out my book. It's on Amazon now. And it's the same name as this podcast, Dr. Me First. Remember, folks, your life, your calling, your pulse.